Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bryant. Because it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. Well, I'm just going to start by saying go blue. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are on a Friday, Chris. I feel good. Early on a Friday. Early on a Friday. Early on a Friday. We're going to get into that right now. So we've been talking about it all week. I said I, I wasn't sure what time, but you know, probably going to go a little earlier on Friday to accommodate some scheduling stuff. And then <laughs> the scheduling stuff kind of fell through multiple times. And it, so it is what it is. This is now I'm just now I'm just going earlier because I have some company coming into town. It was because we were going to try to get Tom Brew from Hoosiers now to come on and talk about uh, the matchup with Indiana, and I was also hoping to get Michael Spath on, former Wolverine Digest editor Michael Spath, just to come on. I mean, so Mike and I are good friends. We talk all the time. We're constantly texting each other. We both have a son that's about the same age, so we're talking about that. We of course talk Michigan football. And Mike is just a really smart dude. He's been doing it for a really long time. So I was curious to bring him on and see what he had to think about Michigan State and bouncing back this weekend and then the, basically the four-game season that is left at this point. And scheduling didn't really work out there either. But we'll get Mike on at some point. I mean, like I said, it gets to a point where I'm like, I'm on the phone with him talking for like 40 minutes. I'm like, this should just be on the podcast. Like, what are we doing here? So we'll try to turn that into something a little bit later on down the line. But yeah, we're going to um, – I was able to record a segment with Tom Brew from Hoosiers Now earlier today, and it will be able to play on here live. So for anybody who's in here now, I, you know, I don't know how you'll be able to see if you come in after the fact, but that's a pre-recorded segment. We won't be able to take questions or take comments or field anything like that, but Tom was outstanding. He is a 1980 graduate of Indiana. He'll mention that in the, in the segment. But he, So he's been around it for 40 years. And he he uh he knows that team inside and out. He gave some really, really good in-depth answers about the quarterback situation, how good those linebackers are, why Indiana's two and six, and how close some of those losses have been and and what to expect this weekend. So I'll I'll uh I'll save the rest for when we put that segment up. But Chris, here we are on a Friday night, Friday afternoon, a little earlier than normal. We're getting ready for this night game at Michigan tomorrow. What are you, what are your thoughts as we sit here now? No specifics yet cuz we'll do that when we come back. But just kind of the vibe coming off of Michigan State getting ready for what should be a winnable game against Indiana. Well, I let me I will get into that. But I, there's something that I got to address first. Oh, I boy, told, here we go. I told, no, this is actually a good thing. Okay. This is like, this is one of those things that has, there's been little things like this that have happened since I gotten into this industry professionally. And it's kind of amazing. So I told myself before I got on this podcast tonight, I swear on my children, I told myself, I said, if CJ Frazier shows up in the comments, <laughs> then I'm going to take care of that boy. And lo and behold, the first damn comment on the live show is none other than Mr. CJ Frazier. So with that being said, I just recently hit my one year anniversary, like doing this when you and I linked up and partnered and got the winged helmet together with Wolverine Digest. And it has been the pleasure of my life, a, a joy to be able to do what I do on Saturday. So CJ, my man, you got the hat coming. 
but you got the winged helmet coming too. Oh, that's whoa. a 2014 game worn Michigan football. Look at that, man. It's got the it's got the battle scars on it. It's legit, man. You've been with us from like the beginning, man. You've been around. You're like an OG. <laughs> I appreciate all you guys. You bought a hat. I mean, CJ's been around from the very beginning. So appreciate you, my guy. You got a cool care package coming to you. You got a hat, you got the you got the helmet, you got a towel. We'll we'll hook you up. It's it's as far it as this cool. weekend. <laughs> you know it's what? It's weird to jump into that, right? No, but I can't believe I didn't even I, November 1st was the one year anniversary of me taking over as the publisher at Wolverine Digest. I was there a long time before that with Mike, with Steve and, and kind of covering the team, but shifting into a managerial role or the publisher or the owner or whatever you want to call it, linking up with Chris, that first month was kind of like a trial period. I think Chris only wrote like, I don't know, 10 or 12 stories that month or something. And we were just kind of seeing what it was going to do. And it started doing really well, really fast. And it's only gotten better. It's only grown guys like CJ, other people in here that are constantly on our, on our live streams, giving us comments, giving us, uh, giving us ideas. I mean, the, the thing we did on Wednesday was, was awesome. I mean, we didn't, awesome. we didn't, we just sat down. We didn't have a script. I didn't have a list of topics. We just said, let's see what the people want to do. And we ended up leaving that one hour podcast live stream with over 400. Comments. We could, we could have went for two hours. Not even close. We could have went for two hours easily. And I mean, these guys, like these guys just show up day in and day out when we do this thing. And like, it, it, I still feel like a kid in a candy store. Like I was, I was telling somebody the other day, like I go to the bathroom and Joel Clatt comes out or I'm, I'm, I'm running into people and it's like, it's this weird thing, but I, I know for a fact, and I have not forgotten that guys like CJ got me here, helped get me here and helped build this platform to what it is. So again, CJ, anybody that complained about supporting local businesses for $45, guess how good CJ just made out pretty damn good. <laughs> Support local businesses. There you go, man. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. I, um, I, I feel kind of bad that I missed the that I missed the actual anniversary. I would have missed it too had it not popped up in like a. I got I got reminded about something. You can't really pull that off with your wife, can you? Like four days after your anniversary. <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, happy uh, happy ten years or whatever it is. No, all right. The floor is yours, Chris. This the week, floor is mine. And then we'll do the we'll do the preview with Tom. Well, basically, I'm just going to go back to what I said before. I do think even though they stumbled and they, you know, stumped their toe against Michigan State and we've gone over that and I don't want to keep, you know, hammering that nail over and over. I do think that the leadership on this team is different. I think the mental makeup on this team is different. They're just flat out better than Indiana. So, of course, I would expect them to come out and take care of business. I I told myself that this was probably going to be a blowout. I thought Michigan was going to take out a lot of frustration on Indiana. But then I saw that it was a night game. I know Indiana doesn't have much to play for. They're trash. But, you know, it's at this point, I'm not taking anything for granted. So I, I feel confident going into the weekend because I, I still truly believe that the mental makeup of this team is different. But at this point, you know, uh, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is a given. That's it. That's exactly it. I mean, this Indiana State team, uh, Indiana State, Indiana team is not very good. The record shows that. Tom will get into exactly all of that. I mean, he he doesn't pull any punches. I mean, he talks about why they've been bad, why they're losing, what's going on, what he thinks for this weekend, specifically against Michigan. And so he, he's going to lay it out very, very, uh, in a very detailed way so you guys can get a feel for exactly what to see tomorrow night. But it is, it's, it's college football, man. You got to play them. If everything was straight, you know, straight to the point on paper, 
uh, you wouldn't see upsets and you wouldn't see crazy things happen, but we've seen it every single week this year. So Michigan does have to show up. I am curious to see what they look like coming off a loss because we haven't seen it yet. But Indiana, it, I mean, like, I, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Like, they're lucky they don't have like a, you know, like a road game at Kinnick or something this weekend or just, you know, the way the schedule shapes up. They've got Indiana coming to town uh, tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes. So without further ado, I haven't done this before, but there's a video file share button where I can just click on it and it basically just plays as if it's happening right now. So hopefully it goes smoothly. It's about 20, 25 minutes. It's really, really good in-depth stuff. Instead of having Tom on here with us right now, we recorded this earlier today. So here we go. We are now joined by Tom Brew of HoosiersNow.com in the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. Tom, thanks so much for the time. And before we started recording here, you threw out an 80 grad, 1980 grad of Indiana. So you've been at this thing at least on, on some levels for 45 years and covering the team closely for a handful. So you're the expert, right? I mean, you're the guy. You're the guy to come to if we want to know about IU. Yeah, I, you know, I, I sort of joked about that, you know, last year when Indiana beat Michigan that uh, – I used to be, you know, I used to be the only one who could remember an Indiana victory way back when, and uh, you know now everybody can remember one. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I uh, I went to, I was at I was a student at Indiana from 1976 to 1980, uh, and uh, you know obviously spent most of my newspaper career down in Florida, but was back in Indianapolis for five years, and of course now been uh, uh, with uh, with Sports Illustrated Indiana site for uh, this is my third football season. So it's uh, it's been nice. Um, you know, the last bit of my newspaper career was. I was always just an editor and manager and everything like that. So it's been great to be kind of back out writing again. I've been thoroughly enjoying it. So it's uh, and I picked a good three years to be a part of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Comes full circle back at Indiana and uh, get ready for this game in the big house on Saturday. I want to start right there kind of with what you just touched on. Obviously, Indiana, very strong season last year. Weird season, the COVID year, you know, that was weird for everybody, but they beat Michigan. They beat Penn State. They beat some teams that they hadn't beat in a long time, like you just said. And now two and six, man, this was a game that preseason I actually picked Michigan to lose because I thought Indiana looked that good last year and I had no idea what we were going to get from Michigan. And now, I mean, Michigan's favored by like three touchdowns in this thing. Like what is the fan base thinking right now at two and six and how did all this kind of happen such in, in such short form? Well, the absolute best way to summarize Indiana's fan base is that basketball season starts Tuesday. <laughs> and that's just exactly the way it is. I and mean, this is, you know, uh, this Indiana football season is like most Indiana football seasons through the years. You know, it's, uh, you know, filled with very few victories uh, and lots of disappointments. And, uh, you know, but this what makes this one uh, uniquely special and uniquely disappointing was that there were so many high expectations coming into it. I mean, ranked preseason number 17, First time in the preseason ranking since 1969, you know, it was, wow. uh, it was that kind of feel-good season. And, uh, you know, in last year, I've always made the argument, Brandon, you know, people always want to throw out that, it, you know, last year was a COVID year. And now that Indiana struggled, everybody said, oh, that was a fluke. You know, they really weren't any good last year. It's just that everybody was dealing with COVID. And that's just so not true. I mean, they, you know, everybody was in the same boat. You know, when Michigan played with a full roster that Saturday, you know, Penn State played with a full roster. Wisconsin played with a full roster. Michigan State played with a full roster. And they beat them all, you know. And uh, so I, I do think that was a legitimate season. And, you know, if anything, I think this year is probably a little bit more of a fluke because they've, uh, A, been really decimated by injuries at key positions, but B, they just haven't played very well either. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's added up, you know, and, you know, 
when you know tonight, you know, Saturday night's game is you know the sixth game they've played against a team that's been ranked number eight or higher at some point this season. You know, so six game, you know, six times in nine weeks they've played somebody very, very good, where the margin for error is pretty small, and uh, you know, and they haven't answered the bell. Now they could have won a couple of those games, but uh, they haven't, and uh, that's why you know. Like Bill Parcells used to say, you you are what your record says you are. And right now, Indiana's two and six, and they're not a very good team. Well, you mentioned kind of you know answering the bell and uh, you know falling short and the schedule. Certainly, I mean that that is as as daunting of a schedule as you can probably find in the country. But all this obviously comes back to head coach Tom Allen. He he was riding high last year. I think I don't know. This is my perception from afar. I feel like people kind of like him there a lot. They love the guy. He's he's a passionate, fiery dude. He's an Indiana guy. But but I'm going to ask you because I'm not there. What is the what is the perception of Tom Allen? You know what what do people think he can accomplish at Indiana? And where are things kind of right now with this season kind of you know going downward? Well, I think what we've learned in the last two years uh, with Tom Allen is that it is possible. You know and uh, you know they've uh, they went eight and four in 2019, uh, and they went you know six and one in you know the regular season last year. And that you know that fourteen and uh, fourteen and five record over a two year period you know is is their best going back to 87, 88, uh, 89 years. Uh, so it's you know thirty something years in the making where the, you know it was finally getting there. Now just like anything, and you know this from from what's going on up there in Michigan, is that every time you lose a game, people think you know the sky is falling. You know, so this year uh, there certainly has been more criticism, but you know quite frankly. Uh, the criticism, you know, kind of uh, slides off of Tom's shoulders a little bit more. Uh, he, you know, being an Indiana guy uh, and being uh, one of those, you know, and being a local guy and a passionate guy who cares about Indiana football when a lot of people don't, uh, he's not necessarily getting a pass for this year, but, you know, I think there's going to need to be some offseason changes, you know, and that kind of, you know, I'll be curious to see like how, uh, how the heads will roll, you know, after this, if at all. I mean, uh, obviously their offense has really struggled and that, you know, that's Nick Sheridan's deal. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of people screaming for Nick's head, you know, and I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily uh, buy into that myself because I really think, um, you know, the issues uh, of what they've tried to do offensively have really been compounded by the fact that they haven't been able to play uh, with healthy quarterbacks this year. Uh, and they really uh, struggled in trying to put together an offensive line. Uh, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not sure a house cleaning is necessary, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, especially with a good group of uh, guys coming in in this 2022 class, I think we got to let, I think you just sort of have to let 2021 be the aberration and see what happens next year. You mentioned Indiana being decimated at some key positions. Perfect segue. You, you just said the quarterback position has been, you know, just, just destroyed. I mean, Michael Penix looked to, to maybe be one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten before he got injured last year, and I think that's lingered all year, uh, maybe rushed back a little bit, and I think he got hurt again. I'll let you expand on that here in a minute. Then Jack Tuttle, Jack Tuttle comes in, and he wasn't overly effective, and now there's this big athletic kind of dual threat run, run guy, Donovan McCulley, in there, but he has a big, strong arm too, but just hasn't played very much. So what what is going on at the quarterback position? I know Penix, I think, wants to come back and play again, but probably not a factor this weekend. But what what should Michigan fans expect to see at quarterback? Yeah, no, it, uh, Michael Penix is not playing this weekend. Uh, Jack Tuttle is not playing this weekend. Neither one of them are practicing yet. Uh, okay. uh, Michael Penix, uh, you know, he 
was tremendous against Michigan last year, threw for 340, I think it was, a couple of three touchdown passes, totally outplayed Joe Milton uh, in that in that Indiana win. And he had a great year in 2020, uh, was accurate, had his big, huge arm, really played well, you know, threw for 491 against Ohio State, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, no Michigan quarterback has ever done that, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, he was, he's a really good player, but he tore his ACL in, in very, very late November, you know, and they were trying to have him out there and by July, basically claiming he was 100%. And, you know, I have the luxury of doing a podcast with Michael and Michael, uh, Micah McFadden every week. So I, I talk to Michael sort of behind the scenes all the time, too. And as much as he said he was 100%, he wasn't really 100%, you know, and he was certainly very leery to take off running. Uh, he was... Uh, uh, really desperate to make big plays, you know, to, to, to make a difference. And he just, you know, made some bad decisions, which was really rare for him because he's been injury prone all of his career at Indiana. But, you know, in his first three years, he threw 414 passes and only had eight interceptions the entire time. And this year he had seven interceptions before he even got to a hundred throws, you know, it just, he was trying to do too much and he was just, you know, he, he missed all of spring. He's never had a spring practice in Indiana ever other than, uh, when he graduated early from high school there, because he's always been rehabbing stuff. And I think, just, you know, timing was off. And, of course, the first game was, you know, at Kinnick, you know, at Iowa. Loud yeah. to be, I mean, they, you know, Iowa fans hadn't been in a football game for two years. They were, that was as loud of an a Saturday afternoon crowd as I've heard in a long, long time. It was a very hostile place to play. And the game just started horrible. I mean, Iowa returned the opening kick 35 yards. They ran, you know, their first their first running play, 56 yards for a touchdown. You know, the seventh play of the game was a pick six, you know, going the other way. It was 14 to nothing, you know, two minutes into the game, you know. And so then he was panicking and stressing, threw three interceptions, you know, three threw three more, you know, and the loss to Cincinnati, which, you know, Indiana defensively totally outplayed Cincinnati. They really, you know, they were, you know, Tim Baldwin Jr., uh, the running back fumbles on the two-yard line midway through the fourth quarter for Indiana to go ahead in that game. Uh, but, you know, turnovers just have killed them. They've had uh, three pick sixes this year. They've had three turnovers on interceptions in the end zone. Uh, they have had, you know, four times they've gone for it on fourth down inside the red zone and didn't make it. They've just given up points left and right. And uh, But Michael was never right. And then you know, Jack Tuttle, who is a good player, you know, he came in and uh, everybody was confident that he could pick up the slack. But then he had three interceptions in the Michigan State game as well, including a pick six early. Michigan State did nothing against Indiana's uh, defense in the entire first half. They had 60 yards of offense in the entire first half. But Tuttle threw a pick six and they were losing at halftime. You know, it's just um, he, was, he wasn't good either. But then uh, he played better. Uh, you know, opening drive against Ohio State goes right down the field, 15 plays, 75 yards. He gets hurt on the touchdown pass, and he's been out ever since, too. So it's been, you know, tough going. And now Donovan McCulley's a true freshman. He's only 18 years old. He was thrown into the Ohio State game just out of the blue and was, you know, deer in the headlights for sure. And was much more relaxed and comfortable last week at Maryland, did some good things. But, uh, you know, he's never, you know, this time last year he was playing in a high school sectional championship game, you know, and now he's – going to play in front of 107,000 people plus at, you know, at the big house and uh, prime time night liquored up and uh, loud as to be, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough environment for an 18 year old kid. That's for sure. I don't even know if you can answer this question because things have been taken away from Indiana. Like you said, the quarterback position has been decimated the turnovers that put the defense in a bad position where they don't really get to shine. So what's their identity on offense and defense? What do they hang their hat on? Well, that's been the biggest problem, Brandon, is that 
uh, this year, there is no identity, you know, and that's what's really, really hard because uh, I, I made the, uh, the analogy earlier this week that, you know, like growing up uh, like I did outside Chicago with like Chicago Bears teams where the defense was always great and the offense was so horrible, but at least you always knew it, you know, for 16 games a year. And when the offense just scored just enough that they had an identity. And even when I moved to Florida, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had an identity. Uh, well, this Indiana team, they, they have nothing to hang their hat on right now because, uh, like, for instance, the Michigan State game, you know, Kenneth Walker, who you guys you know saw how great he was last yeah. week, going into the fourth quarter, he had 37 yards rushing. That was it. I mean, Indiana was knocking him down. Micah McFadden, Indiana's middle linebacker, had had two and a half tackles for loss on him, you know, and, you know, stopping him, you know, not at the line of scrimmage, but in the backfield, they were doing nothing. Indiana's defense completely dominated that game, but the offense let them down. You know, and then last week I wrote, you know, it's up for this, you know, this defense is going to have to carry them at Maryland because there's just no way Donovan McCauley in his first career start on the road is going to score many points. And they score 35, but the defense gives up 38, gives up 419 yards passing, which was ridiculous. You know, it just the defense completely let them down. So, you kind of hop, hope that the defense you could hang their hat a little bit on them, but uh, like last week, no pass rush at all. Uh, Talia just stood back there throwing the ball all over the place, and and, and of course, you know the in, injuries are killing Indiana secondary too. Both, uh, you know, Jalen Williams is a very good cornerback, and he's out there. But Taiwan Mullen and Reese Taylor both, you know, they play. You know, Mullen's, you know, he was preseason All American type talk. Uh, he's been out with a foot injury for going on a month now. Reese Taylor's been in and out. He hasn't really played for two full games either. And they're playing a bunch of guys who never played before, you know, and, uh, you know, Ohio State's wide receivers, we know how great they are. They couldn't keep up with them. And, you know, even Maryland's guys, you know, they, they've got a Maryland, that Maryland team has a lot of speed, you know, and when, when uh, uh, Tagovailoa has time to throw to open guys, I mean, he's good. You know, he's got a big arm and they just, so it's, it's, it's a real problem right now. So really struggling on both sides of the ball. The only consistent guy really on the team the whole year has been Charles Campbell, their kicker. He's really good. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, but yeah, I've, I've, I've said that by default, you know, Peyton Hendershot, the tight end is having a really nice year. Uh, he's their offensive MVP for sure. And there's no one else I could even name. Uh, and then same with Micah McFadden, their middle linebacker. He's their defensive player of the year without question. And the only one even close is uh, Ryder Anderson, the transfer from Ole Miss. He's had a pretty good year at defensive end. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there's just like nobody else is even having uh, an above average year, let alone, a, you know, a good or great year. It's, you know, there's really a, like I can count on one hand the, guy, the number of guys in this team this year who are having good years. Well, perfect segue into this next question. You mentioned Micah McFadden multiple times. Um... How how good is he? I mean, is he good enough to to wreck a game? I mean, obviously he's going to be at the top of Michigan scouting report on that defensive side of the ball. But you just you just talked about it. They've been, they've been inconsistent. They give up all these yards and all these points to Maryland last week. Like he's a leader. He's in the middle of the defense. He's I believe he's the captain. Like how how important is he? And can he himself keep a defense in a game? Well, I think from a leadership standpoint, he's been trying to. Uh, they, they've got uh, this defense has got a lot of experienced guys to it. Uh, even Devin Matthews, the safety, sort of the quarterback on the, of the secondary, he's been around forever too. A good player, uh, Ryder Anderson, like I said, his fifth year of playing. They've got veteran guys, but uh, you know, Micah, he's uh, he's a very he's got good speed, so he's, he's definitely one of those guys, you know, in the running game, cover, you know, gets the gets the gets to the ball carrier, sideline to sideline, no trouble. He's a very good. Uh, pass rusher from the middle 
Uh, he's, you know, he leads the team in sacks. He has five and a half sacks this year as, as a middle linebacker, which is sort of rare. But he's a very good pass rusher. He really he does a good job of, of of shooting gaps and getting between guys and, you know, and, and kind of sliding off of blockers. And uh, he's a very sure tackler, obviously, as a middle linebacker. So when he has chances uh, to get sacks, he's usually getting a quarterback to the ground. Uh, but, yeah, I think Michigan's going to have to at least pay attention to him uh, where they're, you know, they're, you know, especially uh, the guards, you know, the teams that have kind of shut him down. Ohio State did a really, really good job of of not letting there be any uh, any pressure up the middle at all. And anytime he came, it was usually a guard uh, on either side of it sort of sliding off where you could tell his eyes were on McFadden, you know, and if he came, that was his guy. And if he didn't, you know, then they were double team and, you know, a D tackle or a double team in an end. But uh, when he was coming, they always had somebody accounting for him. And it's just like, he's been real good, but uh, um, Michigan's offensive line has been mostly good. You obviously know better than I do, but there's been some games where people have attacked them. So I think, you know, I think Indiana's, you know, the plan that they have is to, you know, is to put pressure on them when they can, but they know they have to stop the run first. So I think, I think we'll see safeties up in the box a little bit more tonight. And I think what because of that, especially on play action stuff, you know, that, that, that you'll see McFadden come on blitzes and certainly on throwing downs, he'll be coming for sure too. Well, that will be interesting because both of both of Michigan's starting guards have been dinged up. They both played last week, but they're not a hundred percent and there's been some rotation. They've been shifting guys around in there a little bit. And you mentioned it, you know, Rutgers. I mean, even a team like Rutgers and Wisconsin both really kept Michigan's run game in check. And then last week we saw for the first time all season, really, Cade McNamara came alive and threw for almost 400 yards against Michigan State. So, yeah, I'm kind of wondering to see what this looks like because I think Indiana's defense is better than it was last week. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they game plan against that. So on that on that note, if uh, you, you mentioned uh, Peyton Hendershot, who's maybe one of the best tight ends in the conference, maybe in the country. The, the linebacking core is solid if they show up. The defense can and has been really good. Advantages. Does Indiana have any definite advantages over this Michigan team that you can point to? Well, I think what uh, what they're, where the advantage you know, might come from uh, right now is that I, I, I do think um, – Donovan McCauley having now at least sort of a game and a half under his belt will be at least calm enough uh, that, you know, some play action stuff, some RPO stuff. Uh, I think they can attack Michigan's defense a little bit with that. Uh, I th- other teams have been able to do some of that, even, even in the Nebraska game, which, you know, yep. Nebraska is not a very good team. They were able to, to do that, move the ball and sort of score when they had to type stuff. I think Indiana, uh, if they can run the ball at all, you know, because that's, you know, the RPOs don't work if you can't run it, period. Uh, I think if they can get some running game stuff going a little bit where they can do some RPO stuff, you know, maybe they'll have a chance to score some points. And, but, you know, like to me, where the advantage, you know, Indiana, you know, like, like you know, Indiana, Indiana cannot give up 38 to Michigan this week and have any chance. I mean, you know, if they want to, if they want to try to win this game, they got to keep Michigan in the twenties somehow, you know, and the defense, they were embarrassed last week. And with all those veteran guys, like I talked about, they are definitely coming into this game with a chip on their shoulder. It's like, you know, we cannot do that again, you know, because, you know, there was one thing to give up touchdowns to Ohio state on the first six possessions because Ohio state was just that good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, they were embarrassed at Maryland. Now Maryland's, you know, their offense is, is a pretty good offense, but still you can't, you can't get, you know, 
they were way more embarrassed by giving up 38 to Maryland than they were to giving up 44 in the first half to Ohio State. Well, it wasn't even close. So, so I, 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 where I think what will happen in this game is I do think Michigan's offense, you know, Indiana can kind of keep them in check a little. I, I really do think uh, Indiana keeps them under 30 at this game. Um, you mentioned this already too, the fact that Donovan McCauley is going to be in front of 107, 110,000 at night liquored up. I liked, I like that. Uh, I like that angle. It was a surprise that this was at night, but I mean, how, how big of a, how big of a deal is that? Maybe, maybe bigger because it is a true freshman going in there to try to figure this thing out at night at night. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, you know, from, from the big house at night, it's just, Loud. There's just a lot of people there. Uh, it's going to be again, how good can his checks if they, if they're audible. You know, what's how is all that going to work? And uh, no, no, it's, it's a big unknown with him in regards to how good he can handle those moments. Uh, he just doesn't have the experience doing that, and uh, to me, that's the toughest part. I think we had a microphone issue. I'm going to mute you real quick and bring you back and see if that fixes it. I had a phone call that came through my computer, of course, just as we're about to wrap up here and get done. So we're almost finished here. So we'll see how the audio how the audio cooperates. But real quick, you gave a write-up earlier this week, so we can refer back to that if the audio doesn't cooperate. But overview, general consensus of how the game's going to go and a score if you would like to throw one out there. Yeah, I just uh... – I, much like you in the preseason, I thought this was a game Indiana could go in, but just not. I mean, the uh, the true freshman quarterback playing there and uh, the Indiana defense having some questions and concerns. I just don't see it happening. It's uh, uh, I I picked uh, 27 uh, 13 Michigan, uh, but you know I think it, I think it will hinge on a you know a couple of turnovers. I mean Indiana absolutely has to win the turnover battle. Uh, to have a chance in this game and uh you know but i just don't see that happening it's just last year's indiana team created turnovers at you know they led the nation you know in turnovers uh per game interceptions per game this year they haven't been doing that and a lot of that has to do with their two best corners being out but uh they just that hasn't happened and i you know for indiana to have any kind of chance they're going to need to have some turnovers and they're going to need to have early turnovers you know where that you know they can get ahead and try to play from ahead uh, because if they fall behind early, it could be bad. And it's, uh, you know, I think the defense with that chip on their shoulder, like I said, I think they will play better than they have the last couple of weeks. But uh, I see it being a lower scoring game. Uh, but I still just don't see how Indiana can score enough points to keep up with them up there. There you have it. Super, super in-depth breakdown of what Michigan fans can expect against Indiana tomorrow night. Um, I'm excited for it. I mean, I, like I said, the, the night game was a surprise. I don't, let me get, let me get your opinion on this as someone who's been in the market or in, in the industry for a really long time. Cause I think fans and media have a very different outlook. What's your, what do you think about the night game approach getting out of there at midnight, one o'clock in the morning after a, after a football game? Well, all I know uh, from from a work standpoint, like obviously in my newspaper days, it was horrible because your deadlines, you know, they they came and they went. Like in our digital world now, people can still read things, you know, at you know at midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. But obviously, you know, I've learned from experience that you know they don't really have any interest in reading anything, you know, late that night. I'll I post a game story at the buzzer and I'll update it with some quotes right afterwards. But that's pretty much about it for you know for midnight, one o'clock in the morning because. Yeah, you know, my people just don't, you know, don't 
tend to stay up all night long reading Indiana football stuff. But you know, I'll write, I'll do plenty more in the morning and do plenty of evaluation and and reviews and everything in the morning on Sunday mornings, and I get great I great traffic then. But yeah, my uh, it's weird. Indiana football, obviously, when they're not playing well, the interest level drops dramatically. And uh, you know, but you, to be honest, you know, uh, my page views on Sunday are always bigger than my page views on Saturday. You know, this year, uh, just because you know it's you know. The result doesn't really excite people too much, but uh, my analysis of it the following day usually does. So it's, uh, but yeah, I, but uh, I, you know, I've been to many games in the big house, uh, both as a reporter and uh, as a fan, um, and I've never been to a night game at the big house. So I am looking forward to that. Uh, I've been to a lot of noon games there, been to a handful of 3.30 games, and uh, I still remember Anthony Carter breaking Indiana's hearts way back when, and uh, I was there for that game, and uh uh, it was right down uh, about 10 rows up, kind of in the end zone. He ran right to me. And, uh, uh, you know, so I, I've been there for day games, but I've never been there for a night game, and I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, of course, you got, uh, you know, a lot of my uh, – I've, you know, spent a lot of time in the state of Michigan. I have a lot of friends who are Michigan fans who will be there. So I will uh, – I've already been uh, forced uh, by at least a dozen people to make sure that I stop by their tailgates on the way in and say hello, and uh, and I'll do all that. So it'll be – it certainly will be a great day for college football, and I just hope Indiana can keep it close and make it a game. And if they can find a way to pull out a miracle somehow, that'd be great. But I just like I said, this this is not last year's game. Where last year I caught a lot of grief from Michigan fans, you know, for saying, you know, I picked Indiana to win that game, but my reasons why were that Indiana has better skill positions than Michigan for the first time ever. You know, they have a better quarterback, they have better wide receivers, they have better secondary guys, and I was exactly right. This year, it's not the case at all. And, you know, the guys in Indiana have out there just are not playing very well. And this Michigan team is better. You know, you know from watching them, this 21 Michigan team is way better. And they play harder and they care more than the 20 team did. And I think that's a huge difference. I mean, it's, you know, to, to be a three touchdown underdog is not surprising to me. I don't think, I don't think it'll get worse than that. But, uh, you know, thankfully I don't gamble. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put my money on this one either way. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because what you just said is, is a big part of what has allowed Michigan to get off to the start that they did the seven and zero start. And then they lost a heartbreaker against Michigan state. So we're all curious to see how they look uh, after a loss. Cause we haven't seen it yet with this 21 version of Michigan. So is that passion still there? The caring, the preparation, the getting ready for a big game and the rest of the, this four game season that they have. So I'm excited and anxious to watch it too. Tom, thanks so much for the time. Hope you enjoy your first night game experience at Michigan, regardless of the outcome. And uh, look forward to talking to you in person, man. Thanks a lot for the time. All right, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Yes, sir. All right. All right. That and we're, we're back. That's it's weird. Not being live. It's almost like an out of body yeah, experience. Like we're kind of sitting there watching, um, I thought Tom was fantastic. I mean, like you can tell the dude has been doing it for a really long time. Obviously he's passionate. He's into it. Cause he's an, uh, an IU grad. I just thought that was fantastic. I thought it was really good. He, he brought up a lot of stuff that I hadn't really thought about. It's like this every year you cover Michigan. So everything we do all day, every day is Michigan. And you pick up bits and pieces about the other teams in the big 10 and kind of what they've done and how they've gotten to the record that they're at. But you don't, you don't really know the depth and detail of each squad until that week shows up. And you talk to people like Tom. So I, I found that extremely valuable. And I think the trend continues, man. Every guest we've had on for the other school has picked Michigan to win uh, by a decent amount, I think. And this one is a 20-point a spread. We'll get into that number here in a little bit. But 
Um, just really, really good stuff from Tom there. And I think he, uh, he outlined exactly why this could be a tough one for the Hoosiers. Um, you know, if Michael Penix was playing healthy and was really rolling, it would be a completely different animal. But having a true freshman in there is that's a tall task for that young man. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's get into our uh, our, our segments now that we have the uh, the the opponent preview in the rear view. Are you ready, Chris? I know. Uh, again, there's some people that really wish they could come on here and call me dumb to my face. <laughs> in in live where other people could also see it but i'll actually, have to enjoy it enough for them you don't even you don't usually call me dumb that much on these honestly hey, hey, am i getting it is there an echo coming because i saw i saw mel it said mean echo from youtube so before we get into it if there's an echo i don't hear it on my side but if there is i've never one, heard just, it either and okay. i usually can so yeah would, just let us know if it's still going and we'll try to reset something but until then we'll we'll roll with it as is yeah you guys heard you guys heard it i a phone call came through on my computer and did something to the audio input with the ipad or my headphones or something and it threw tom off for a little bit but we got it fixed we got it good sweet um and i think i think we're good to go now still so let's get into it you're dumb you're still very Cade McNamara, he's going to throw two touchdown passes in this game. That's smart. I, I I mean, I think at this point, after you know the road performance he had in East Lansing, I think even though Michigan didn't get the win, I would assume he walked away from an individual standpoint feeling pretty confident about his abilities and confident in himself. And probably the coaches felt that a little bit too. Um, I would anticipate, look, they know they're going to have to put the ball in the end zone. If there's one lesson they learned from Michigan State – it's that you can't settle for field goals. So I think, I hope there's going to be a half healthy appetite for Cade McNamara to put the ball in the end zone this weekend. I think that's a smart play. You know what? It's funny you said that, and I didn't do this on purpose. This is a complete subconscious. The first three of my predictions all involve Michigan scoring a touchdown, and I do not have one. I do not have one mention of not one mention of Jake Moody this week. Maybe that was subconscious and I didn't know, but I'm like, dude, no, get the kick, get the field goal energy out of here, get the touchdown energy going. That's dude, what they just have. Send, to have. Just send him to the NFL already. All right, just send him to the NFL and let Michigan just work on touchdowns. He's good. He's good. all right. Number number two, Blake Corum will score a touchdown this week. He's gonna bounce back and get back in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels inevitable. You watch him run the ball, like even against Michigan State, they really didn't go off. But it feels like when people are tackling Blake Corum, like it's a struggle to get him down. It's like trying to tackle water. It feels like he's slippery. He can kind of get out every time he has the ball. It looks like he's only one big move away from taking it to the house. So if there's a week to bounce back in November, like we're, you're running out of opportunities to bounce back. Now I, I think this team is going to need Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins in a big way down the stretch. I would say, yes, absolutely. He finds the end zone. Okay. This is one where you might, you might get to, you might get to live out a big moment here. And a lot of people Do are it live vicariously through you. Michigan is going to score a defensive or a special teams touchdown tomorrow. <sighs> eh, yeah, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Yeah. They'll, they'll get it. They'll get a turnover. I think they'll get a pick. I think they'll, you know, they'll, they'll probably be strip sack, something like that. But I don't know the, the idea of a pick six or, you know, scoop and taking it. You know, I, I just don't see that happening. I don't think it's crazy. But I gotta call you. I gotta call you an idiot at least once, right? We can't yeah. go through this entire segment without calling you an idiot. So you're an idiot. <laughs> I think maybe maybe this is another uh, subconscious. Like after after Aiden Hutchinson got robbed of his last week, maybe there's just some mojo that something's gonna happen for him this week. Maybe not him. 
you know, maybe it's a DB on a pick. Maybe it's AJ Henning in a punt. Maybe it's Blake Corum on a kick return. We'll see. Defensive or special teams touchdown. I'm marking that down this year because they haven't had one yet. Uh, number four, I you have to imagine, you have to imagine that this was a massive point of emphasis this week, especially with Mike Hart, given his track record and what he's all about. Michigan will not fumble tomorrow. They will not fumble the ball. Not even. I'm not talking about lose a fumble. They're not even going to put one on the turf. Very smart. Very smart. I, I would say that that was probably emphasis or emphasized during the week. Um, emphasis. There was a big emphasis on it. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, th- this is a good running back group. And, and I think we talked about it a little bit before that. I'm just wondering, like, ever since they got into Big Ten play, like, man, they they burst onto the scene. Like, we were even, like, kind of starting to use the word Heisman when we were talking about our running back room, if you, if you go back to what September was like. And it just hasn't really, like, obviously the teams get harder and things get more difficult down the stretch, but they need, they're going to need big performances from these guys, and obviously they're going to have to hold on to the ball. I don't foresee that being an issue, especially given who their position coach is. It, and, I, I, you know, I meant – across the board too and i know sometimes like a quarterback can get sacked and stripped oh off. i thought you meant just the running back group. Was, you're talking about across the board. in general across the board well no see problem. that's you know now now if a dn gets to mcnamara on his blind exactly. side that's you know I, i'm still gonna say no i think i think they're gonna play a very clean game against indiana michigan's been pretty damn good at taking care of the ball i mean they just had a, a really really t- uh you know untimely timely untimely one against michigan state about the worst possible moment you could have it but they've They've typically been pretty good at taking care of the ball, and, and none of the quarterbacks have been sacked very much. I think they're still sitting on just a couple all year. Yeah. So you have to think that the the um, that the possibility of that is pretty low. But we'll see. We'll see how they take care of the ball. Like I said, I'm sure. I am sure they spent a lot of time on it this week, so that way something like that does not happen again. And last but not least, I don't know how much you've seen him play. I saw him put into the game a couple different times. Whichever uh, I can't remember which opponent it was against. But this Donovan McCauley kid is certainly impressive looking. He's about 6'4", 6'5", over 220, can really run, has a really strong arm. But true freshman, man, this is a tough spot. But as Tom said, we saw it with Adrian Martinez. We've seen it over the years. And the linebackers, we talked about that a little bit on Wednesday too. I think Donovan McCauley will score a rushing touchdown against the Wolverines. Hmm. No. Idiot. Oh, what, a, what an idiot. Look at this guy. Whoa. Look at this Whoa. guy. He's not going to score a rushing touchdown against the Wolverine. Look, you're, you're, you're talking about the Reapers. Okay. It's not Michigan, Ohio state. This is Michigan, Indiana. These boys are pissed off. They're angry. They're going to eat a lot on Saturday. They better eat on Saturday. They better fill their bellies. Cause there's not many more opportunities to do it. I just, I don't see him. I mean, you're a true freshman. You're in the big house. The lights are on, man. I think it's going to be for a very, very long night for the kid. Very dumb on your part, Brandon Brown. Very dumb. I mean, are, are you talking like, I mean, we're going to get into the score, but I mean, are, you, are they pitching a shutout here? Is that what you're no, saying? No, right no, 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 <laughs> no, there's no shutout. There's no okay. shutout, but so I do, think, I do have them covering the spread. You think he's going to throw for some touchdowns? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. There we go. That's a great place to stop. The music ended right there. We're good. We will move on. To another one of my favorite segments. Now, you know what? I don't know. I like them all. I like all the segments we've got. <laughs> we've got them organized. We've got music. We've got drops. We've got energy. We've got We've ideas. got it all. It just goes, man. It just goes. All right, here we go. You know what we don't have, Brandon? Big 10. Big game. Paywall. Go ahead. Continue. Three, 
This, this is free. You can just tell your grandma. Click this link here. We're in. In. No paywall. This is all freebie. All right, here we go. Uh, not the greatest of slates this weekend in college football across the country, really. There's only one ranked matchup. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But in the Big Ten, um, there's no ranked teams playing against each other. But there is a ranked a ranked team in every game except for one. So that'll be our – we'll get into that in a second. But on, outside of Michigan, the biggest game, the one I'm the most intrigued by, is Michigan State going to Purdue. I, I, I'm just yeah. – I'm so curious to see how it looks. I mean, I would put my money on Michigan State. They they showed everybody last week that they're for real. Kenneth Walker's the, the real deal. Peyton Thorne can play when he needs to. He wasn't great against Michigan, but he made some incredibly clutch throws in that game that led Michigan State win that game. Um, there's no doubt about it. A couple fourth down conversions where he put the ball on the money. But Purdue, Purdue is scrappy, and they, they are playing pretty good football. If you haven't watched Purdue, they've got some playmakers. They've got George Karlaftis coming off the edge who can wreck a game. He's a top 10, you know, kind of NFL draft pick type of guy. I'm curious to see what this one looks like. And Michigan State, here's where you come in, Chris. Michigan State is only favored by three in West Lafayette. What do you got there? Uh, I'm taking Michigan State. Michigan, and and I do it reluctantly, A, because I hate Michigan State. B, 330, 330 kick, by the way. Three, so yep. I, I take Michigan State because – when you when you're eight and zero in the Big Ten conference, when you're the only undefeated Big Ten team, when you're in the top, I mean, you just have to give this team the benefit of the doubt at this point in the season. They are the real deal. So, yeah, I, I, I but I will, you know, watch the game because there is a chance that that one is uh, closer than it probably should be. But you said what? Michigan State three? They're getting three points, right? Three. That's it. So Vegas that's thinks it. it's close. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think it's going to be pretty close. I mean, I could see another like six, seven point win for Michigan State here. They've had a couple of those this year. Um, but I think Purdue's going to play well. They're obviously going to be motivated. This is their biggest game of the year. They're at home. They are playing well. I could see it going either way. But if I was putting a little a little scratch on it, I'd, I'd go with the Spartans. I would. But by a little bit. I expect Kenneth Walker to have another big day. Peyton Thorne's been good when he needs to be good. And uh, I would go with the Sparties. Now, here's this is interesting. Big ten, big lane. I think the lamest game of the week of the weekend. This is the only game of the entire Big Ten weekend that does not include a ranked opponent. Okay. Penn State at Maryland. Can you believe that? That's the only game this weekend that doesn't have a ranked opponent. Now. I just don't know what kind of intrigue there is in that game. Like, is is Wisconsin? I think Wisconsin plays like Rutgers or something like that's pretty lame. But the fact that this is the only game without a ranked team, I I kind of had to go there by default, right? Put it put it this way: if I'm on the couch and I've got like six options of college football, yeah, and I'm thumbing, I, and I'm, and I'm thumbing through when I hit that one, I don't know that I'm I'm sticking on it. You know, I'm I'm gonna kind of look around. So let me see though, let, like. We'll talk about it. Isn't there? Have... But isn't there a bit? Of, isn't there? Wasn't there supposed to be a bit of a rivalry brewing between Maryland and Pennsylvania and in recruiting territories? And I, I guess you know, Randy Edsel. I think it was he tried to start that shit when he was here. That tall, lanky dude. I mean, I don't. I, I, I guess maybe this is a, this is maybe a better way to pitch this. There isn't really like a very, very lame game in the Big Ten this weekend. You've got Ohio State, Nebraska. I think Ohio State's going to whoop their ass, but that's not a lame game in my opinion. You're going to get to see that's a conference uh, right. a opponent, 
So you can watch Ohio State, how they play Nebraska in Nebraska, just like Michigan did. Look at something there. Illinois and Minnesota. I think Illinois is terrible, but they just beat Penn State. Like, can they go get another, you know, another ranked win against the team that they don't have any business beating? So there's some intrigue there. Wisconsin Rutgers. That was the other one that I was like, that's that's pretty lame. It's pretty close. I don't have a lot of interest watching that, but but Wisconsin's ranked 21st. You want to, Michigan fans want Wisconsin to keep winning. So there's some intrigue there. Also, Iowa Northwestern, pretty lame. That's pretty lame. But that's another ranked team. Iowa also ranked. Yeah. And that's it. So I, I think I, I think you got it right. I mean, for, for games in November, typically you think games in November are going to mean something when you're watching them. And I don't know that the end result between Penn State and Maryland has any impact whatsoever anything. on anything else outside of yeah. those two teams. So, so real cares? quick, just to give just to throw the number out there if you want, it's also at 330. It's Penn State at Maryland. Penn State is favored by 10. Goosebumps. See that? <laughs> right. I took a nap for a second. Oh, well, I, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take Penn State. I'm, I'm never picking Maryland in anything again. So yeah. Penn, Penn let State. let down a lot. Uh, I think I would go with the, I think I would go with the Terps. Uh, it's probably stupid, really? but I think 10 points is kind of a lot. I'm not impressed by Penn State. They're not very good. Maryland can, you know, they can, they can find a, they can find a seam once in a while and their offense will show up and score some points like they did last week, uh, beat up on, uh, you know, scored 38 against Indiana. So I'll take the, I'll take the, the Terps to cover. I don't think they win the game, but I think they'll be within 10 points. So there you go, man. Like I said, just not. Not an amazing slate of games this weekend in the Big Ten or nationally. We will get into that here in in just a second. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's just uh, it's just not the not the loaded schedule that you might think of inside of uh inside the month of November. I think you're right. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting point to make there. All right, we got over unders. They're kind of like predictions, but this is where we go back and forth. We got a specific number, not just an occurrence. Here we go. Let's get it. Let's do it. You go first, man. I'm gonna kick it to you. Kick us off. All right, Brandon. David Ojabo, you know, we don't talk about David Ojabo enough. I don't think anybody talks about David Ojabo enough. He's current, he, that is changing in a very big way. He's currently sitting at seven sacks. The, the single season record at the University of Michigan is 12. He is well on pace to have that top spot by the time the end of the, the by the time the end of the season gets here. They're gonna have five games left to do it. So he's got a good shot at doing it. I've got his over under for Saturday at one and a half sacks. And I know you probably have that written down somewhere. <laughs> David Ojabo over under one and a half sacks is directly written on my paper. Let's right let's there. let's tackle it together. Let's tackle it together. I'm gonna say under. I think he gets one. I think he like you start getting into like multi sack. Is it? But is, doesn't that really speak to how good Ojabo yeah, done? That it's yeah. like man, like, two like I'm, two sacks. If you're looking at one and a half every weekend. You're probably wondering, like he, you think he's he he's possible? It's possible he could get it. Jesus I'm, Christ, I'm, my my brain like short circuited there. I'm right, I'm right there with saying over, but I'll I'll say under barely. Yeah, I think he gets there. I think he gets one. I'll, I'll say under, but just by a by a little bit. And if he had two or more, like I'd be like, yeah, yep, okay. I mean, you if know, he gets two or more on Saturday, then that record is probably as good as locked in at that point. I'll say well, I'll say one. I'll say under. I'm going to say under two. I, I it just, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say over two sacks. You know, I, I don't know that we've really oh, seen man. that monster game, but again, 
you can pretty much count on David Ojabo to get in the backfield at least once, get to the quarterback at least once. Given the fact that it's an inexperienced true freshman quarterback, I'd say his chance. You know what? I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. The inexperience, the inexperience of the quarterback. It's going to cost him. He's going to he's going to try to get too cute. He's going to run right into David Ojabo. It's going to cost him. That's very possible. My my thinking as I was kind of walking through it in my head was was also about that quarterback, but in a different in a different direction. He's real big and he's real athletic. So you know you might get him in the. You know who else is out of there? But David Ojabo. Absolutely. Absolutely true. No doubt about it. All right, I'm going to have to skip that one when I get to it because we had the same one there. But my first one out of the gate is there's a little something going on. Jim Harbaugh was asked about Kate McNamara. Is he hurt? Is he ain't? Is he 100%? And all Jim Harbaugh said was, we'll see. That's it. That's all he said. It's a very Jim Harbaugh response. And I feel like there's been some people who have said a little something on social media. Maybe he's going to sit out this week. What does that mean? JJ McCarthy over under 20 and a half snaps. It'd be his it'd be the most he's played all season. Whoa. Okay, all right. I'm looking at question number two, and I've got McCarthy snaps. But my over under, we're we're I got over under at nine and a half. I got 20 and a half, bruh. I'm hammering the under. Wow. The, I mean, I so when, not, know, so when nine so when nine trots out there to start the game. If uh, how about this? If nine <laughs> trots out there to start the game. I, I thought I was going to get kicked out of the press box last weekend. That didn't happen. It might happen this weekend. You know, I think I, it all hinges upon the health of McNamara. I think that's what that question is. If, if McNamara is healthy and good to go, under. I think there's a good chance that we see the most of JJ we've seen all year this weekend for a couple reasons. One, help him get over what happened last week. He had, you know, w- whatever happened on that exchange for that fumble with Forum, you know that JJ is taking partial credit for it. I mean, even if it was technically designed like that Blake should have taken it, like JJ is the one right there with the ball, like it, whatever. And he also dropped one earlier on in the previous possession and it, it went out of bounds. And if, if Cade truly isn't like 100%, uh, you know, give the give the young gun a shot, man. Let him you know get what, it looks. Is there an echo in my? Are you hearing it now? I don't hear it. I'm echo. getting it in mind. Okay, I'm getting it in mind, but I'll try to battle through it unless people out there can hear it. The the thing of it is, we've seen Cade McNamara walking around on the field gingerly with a bit of a limp and like garbage time, and you know, I I think it's going to take a lot to to have JJ McCarthy get over 20 snaps. I think you're in November. If your quarterback's healthy, you're you know you're going to ride him until you can't anymore. And I'll be shocked if it, if it's over 20 and a half. I will be shocked. I think it's an interesting number. I do think it's an interesting number, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what that ends up looking like. But I, I think there's a chance. I'm dipping. I'll be back. Keep talk about that. I'll, I'm coming right back. Okay, so Chris is going to head out, try to get his microphone fixed. We'll bring him right back in. Um, <laughs> my cousin is just texting me. He said, "Am I at the right house? I'm standing out on the porch for about five minutes, and I can't go get him right now. So he'll have to wait." Um, Oh, there's Chris back in here. Hopefully the echo has been solved. Um, I just think there's a chance that if there if there's ever a time right now when if you if Cade might be a little dinged, you've got an opponent that's not supposed to be very good. You're favored by a lot. It's a home game. It's a night game. Get him some confidence after his his couple of uh, 
this couple of mess ups last week and this it, it just plays out perfectly for all that it does but you know what else played out perfectly so did the first like four or five weeks of the season like played out perfectly to be able to give him like substantial reps and so i don't want to revisit that i don't want to beat a dead horse i just you know I, everybody knows where i stand on jj mccarthy i i wanted them to pull the trigger on him right from the get you know i, I know that Cade earned it he's been in the program longer but I know that JJ McCarthy is the future of this program. And what I said from the very beginning was that I wanted him to have a year of experience under his belt, starting experience in game experience heading into the 2022 season. But man, I just, I, I don't foresee any scenario where, I mean, 20 and a half snaps. What, what's his high on the year? It's like 14, I think, or 16 okay. or something like that. I don't have it pulled up, but I know it's not that many. I know it's not that many. I can try to pull it up real quick. It only yeah, and, and and Clay, you know, Clay says Kate still has two years left. And I think that that's something that, you know, that that's an interest. That's a really interesting discussion that's going to take place during the offseason here because you're right. Kate McNamara has a lot of eligibility left. Guys like Dan Valari have a lot of eligibility left. JJ McCarthy has a lot. You have a lot of guys who want to play football at the quarterback position at the University of Michigan who have a lot of eligibility left, I think you're probably going to see at least two transfers out in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, the transfer thing is, is really uh, obviously become um, – so he – well, okay, I guess I, I might have been doing a little disservice there. He actually played 23 snaps against Northern Illinois. But then again, I mean, they're up 60. Okay. So like, yeah. I, didn't come back out after halftime, remember? It was – JJ played a bunch of the third. They played six quarterbacks that day. I, yeah. I mean, I guess it counts. Technically, it counts. But, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I, I still think that number is interesting. All right, man, you're up. I'll take the under. Uh, let's go. Let's see here. Go to my screen. All right, man, we talked about it earlier in the show. The, the running back group just hasn't really gone off, and specifically we targeted Blake Corum and, and kind of wondering if this was going to be the weekend that he's going to get going. I've got the over-under set on rushing yards at 145 and a half on Saturday for Blake Corm. Ooh. That's a big number. I'm going to say under just because that's a big number. I think he's going to have a good day. A pretty good day, but also obviously they're going to play. They're going to play Hassan. We'll see what happens with Donovan Edwards. He obviously did not travel to East Lansing and was out that game. But Indiana's got a pretty good run defense. I mean, you heard some of the numbers that Tom threw out how they how they kept Kenneth Walker in check. So I'll say under just because it's a big number. Like I don't think they I don't think they shut him down. I don't think Blake has another you know another subpar day. But that's just a lot. That's a lot of rushing guards when you've got two running backs that carry it a lot. So I'll say under. Yeah, uh, you know, while you're talking, I'm going to put you front and center, and I'm going to go see if my cousin is stranded outside. Sure. The uh, so. I'm going to go over, and I think the reason why is that, you know, Blake Corum, he, it seems like he's been bottled up a bit, but he's still, I don't have all of the numbers in front of me, but it looks like he's still able to get about 60, 70, 80 yards every single weekend. The, the problem with Blake is that, you know, since week three or four, you haven't really seen the big chunk plays coming out of the running back group like you saw in the first few weeks. And so I think that's going to be the biggest difference maker on the weekend is that I think Corum's going to get those hard rushing yards, but I think you're also going to see a couple of those, you know, where he breaks one for maybe 40 or 50 yards. And then, you know, once you start doing that, you get to the 145, you get to the 150 pretty quick. So I don't know, man, I look at this running back group and we were all so high on them at the very beginning. And again, it's been a solid group, but it just hasn't, you know, it's really trailed off and then sort of leveled off and, you're kind of wondering when that next big moment is going to come from the group. And 
if there, if there's a time for it to come, it seems like Indiana's the time to get back on track. Michigan can get back on track with a lot of things this weekend. Take advantage of Indiana, man. There, you you heard it. You heard it from what what was the guy's name that was on earlier? Tom. Tom Bruce. Tom. You heard it from Tom. Even Tom doesn't like their chances. Tom says they're not very good. Like, beat up on these guys and get some things fixed and get right for November 27th. Well, it seems that Chris and I have a slightly different view of how Saturday might go in terms of the quarterback play because of if JJ's going to play a lot or if Cade's healthy or whatever. So I'm, I'm curious to see where Chris goes with this. Cade McNamara, over under 300.5 yards. So basically under. over under 300 yards. Under. I can see him doing like, you know, 270, 280, something like that. Um, I think because the rushing attack is going to be more successful on Saturday, I anticipate anticipate it to be that way. Even though Indiana's got a pretty good rush defense, I just think Michigan's better. Um, That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one, but I'll take the over. The over, the under. I'm sorry, the the under, my bad, my bad, the under. I think I'm taking the under as well. I mean, it's a big number, and we saw Cade, I mean – you blow by 300 last week. He almost got yeah. to 400. Michigan threw for 400 yards, more than 400 yards total with JJ in there as well. But again, this this thing with JJ, like is Kate 100%? Are we going to see more of JJ this week? Are they going to be able to run the ball? What's Indiana going to try to take away? That That's one thing that I find interesting is like before last week, teams were like, we'll just put 10 in the box. We'll load it up. Like they can't pass it. Well, now they can pass it. Like they yeah. showed last week that – and. Yes, Cade missed a couple throws, and you would have liked him to do some things a couple times differently, but 383 and a couple of touchdowns is still 383. That's a lot of passing yards. So I'm interested to see what it looks like. I'll still take the under because I think there's a chance that J.J. does play a good bit. And, I mean, if, if it goes according to the script and what a lot of people think it's going to, Michigan should be up by quite a bit. And Jim Harbaugh's not going to air it out and throw it all over the lot if they've got a, if they've got a lead. He's just not going to do that. So I'll say under as well. All right, man. End of the third quarter, Saturday. I want to know what you have the spread at. I've got the spread at the end of the third quarter set at 17 and a half. Obviously with the advantage of Michigan. So going into the fourth quarter, 17 and a half. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under by a little bit. I think it's going to be like, I could honestly like... In my head, I'm thinking of like what would be, a, I'm thinking like 17, like literally might be the mark. And so that would be a half point under technically. I think it'll be pretty close to that. I think Michigan will be up by at least two touchdowns. So maybe it's, maybe it's 14, maybe it is 17, maybe it's a little less than that at like 13 or something. But I think just barely a little bit under that. I think, I think Indiana's going to do their, I think Indiana's going to do their damnedest to take the run away. And we're going to have to see if if, the, if Michigan can throw the ball again. I think that's what we're yeah. going to see. So we'll, we'll see. But I'll say under by like a tiny, tiny bit. 17 and a half going into the fourth quarter to me was to me, 17 was like, that's a lot of points, but I could see that. But when you start to get more than that, I just, to me, that, that becomes a little bit too much. So I'm with you. I'll take the under, but I take the under believing that it's probably going to be like right at 17. So I, I think Michigan is going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be handling their business up comfortably, but man, if they're up by like 20 going into the fourth quarter, I'll be happy to be wrong on that one. As, as soon as you said, as soon as you said the, the, as soon as you started saying the question, like what's the spread at the third quarter, I immediately jumped to like 27, 10. And then you gave me the number. I'm like, well, 
that's a go. half a point. I guess it's under by a little bit, but I, I do think it's going to be really close. I think Michigan will be in that ballpark heading into the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> I like I like Madeline Madeline's uh, Madeline Joyce yeah, right there. Over under five degrees. Well, for, for all of you guys, I'm hoping for the over. Brandon and I are going to be eating chocolate chip cookies and drinking. It's going to be a balmy 72 in the press box, so we'll be uh, we'll be straight. I might I'm have normally to sweating. Off, I might have to take off a layer up there. Um, <laughs> Eric All has really come on over the last couple weeks. Ten freaking grabs last week, man, for almost 100 yards. I think he finished with 98. Still hasn't found the end zone. But Eric All, over under six and a half catches in this one. It's a good number. I'll go under, but I can see him being right at six, which would be solid. You know, a solid day for him. You know, I, I don't think he's going to have another, you know, 10 reception day, but I'll take the under, but just barely right at six. I think I'm going to go over by just a little bit. I think this is like having a guy like that is like Cade McNamara's best friend. You know, sure. he, he, he had been great pushing the ball down the field. You know the the deep the deep stuff's been a little bit inconsistent, a little inaccurate, but he has been, for the most part, pretty damn good on like the crossers, the you know sitting down in the zone, the quick outs, the stuff like the drags. He's been really good with that kind of stuff, and that's Eric all all day. So, I'll say I'll say over, but like yeah, I don't I don't see another like double digit week, but you know seven eight catches, I think that's that's somewhere he can finish. Did I already answer that? I answered that first, right? You yes. did. You said under, right. but right around six or so. Because yeah. I'm, so I'm kind of going to roll into the same question. I mean, after last weekend, Andrew Anthony, is, is it safe to say that Andrew Anthony should be on the football field catching footballs for the University Looks of Michigan? Like I think, I think we established that whatever work he needed to do the first seven weeks, he got it figured out and he's ready to roll now. So I've got his over under on receptions on Saturday set at four and a half. Ooh. It needs to be more. It, 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 four and a half. If it's four, that feels like it's too few. Like to me, that this kid should not have fewer than five receptions in every single game movie. You got to target this guy. He's fast. He can catch. I haven't seen a wide receiver go up and snag balls out of the end zone like that since Braylon Edwards. That dude is a baller. He needs to be on the field. If he's not getting at least five receptions a game, we're doing something wrong. Feed I mean, Nico, that kid. Nico Collins finished his whole career with less than three catches a game. So there, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll say under, I'm going to, um, I'll say under, but I think it's pretty close. I think it's about four. Yeah. I'll say under, but I, I hate six it. Six at Michigan state, right? Six for a buck 55. Ah, man. I'm, no, you know what? I'm going to change it. He's going to go over. He's going to get five catches. He's going to have five okay. catches. He's going to score again. Andrew Anthony's going to continue to to ascend as somebody that the that the quarterbacks can count on. I'll say over by by a little bit, by a little I'll, bit. I will say it needs to be over, but my fear is that it will be under. All right, my last one here again. We had to skip one because we had the same one early, so I'm done after this one. Freshman Indiana freshman quarterback Donovan McCulley. Again, if you haven't seen this kid, he's long, lanky, big dude, probably 6'5", 225 can really run, has a strong arm, but hasn't played very much. And this is as tough of an environment as you can ask a kid to make plays in. But he's going to be out there, and, he, and they're going to ask him to do a lot. He's going to have to do a lot if they want to have a shot. So Donovan McCauley, the quarterback for Indiana, over or under 155.5 yards passing. 
over because I think it's going to be necessary. And I think a lot of it's probably going to come late when they're really forcing the ball down the field. Um, I'll say over, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to have any, you know, major impact on the game. I think it's going to be over too. I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, he probably hits like one big one where you're like, damn it. What were the DBs doing right there? Like you kind of, you kind of feel like this game might have something like that. Um, we, you know, we, we do know that Michigan's cornerbacks aren't, they're not elite. They've been serviceable. They've been fine, but like one of them getting beat seems like a possibility. I'll say over, but, but, uh, kind of the same thing as you. I mean, if they get down, they're going to have to throw it. The running game's not that good in the first place. So they're going to have to throw the ball around a little bit. I'll say over as well. And you're, and you're right. Michigan has shown the propensity to, to give up a big yeah, player to, you yeah. know, it'll happen. And so, I mean, you get a couple of those and you get to 150 real quick. Yep, um, yep. Just so you know, I'm out of questions too. Cause we also had the JJ over under on the, okay, um, there you go. So, I mean, once again, man, you and I in lockstep. And we're going to finish up quickly because as I said, I do have company here. And we're already north of an hour, so we'll we'll go through this rather quickly. But let's play some bets. Let's make a bunch of fake money. Wanna? Let's do it. I only rank, the only ranked game of the weekend, dude. The only one. Number thirteen, Auburn at number fourteen, Texas A and M. A and M is favored by five. A and M is the five and a half point favorite at home. Three thirty kick. What you got? I'll reluctantly take AM. I don't trust either one. I don't trust Auburn. I don't trust yeah. AM. I think that they've they've both been like surprising letdowns, but given the fact that it's at home and AM is a tough place to play, I'll go ahead and give AM points. I'm, I'm take points. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel exactly the same way. I feel like they both have athletes, they both have playmakers, but like for some reason it's like, man, what what's happening here? But I, I would I would take I would take I would take AM at home, 330 game minus the five points to cover. But I, I could see this being like a six point game, seven point game, ten point game. Yeah. Or I mean, like at the end of the day, again, if Auburn wins, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that too. This is kind of what I mean, it's number 13 and number 14, kind of like that second tier SEC. They're trying to they're trying to show that they belong up a notch, maybe. Could be a good game. Should be a good game. Should be a good game to watch. But I would take AM just just barely. Uh, the other one I wanted to throw at you, and just because of what I talked about, the way that it has it sets up for Michigan fans to watch in terms of a common opponent, it's a noon game, so nothing like it was for Michigan when they went to Lincoln and took on Nebraska at night. But Ohio State at Nebraska at noon, and the Buckeyes are only favored by 14 and a half. I personally feel like that's a low number. I would smash Ohio State on the on the cover that to cover that. Yeah, likewise. I I think Ohio State is finally getting into that mode now where they figured it out. They got the loss out of the way, but you know they're starting to look like what we've become accustomed to from Ohio State. Like they are, you know, once again the class of the Big Ten. I think Michigan State's going to have something to say about that. Obviously, Michigan hopes to have something to say about that. But yeah, it's a noon game. Uh, you know. It, a noon football game with Scott Frost on the sidelines. I, I'd be surprised if everybody in the stadium wasn't sleeping by halftime. It just, that seems like a very sleepy afternoon. And I think the Buckeyes are going to put a hurting on the Cornhuskers. So I will confidently take the Buckeyes. Yeah. I think Ohio state's going to run away with that one. That's just kind of what they've been. They've been scoring like 50 points a game. 50, a, I think it's 50. I did it over the last like, eight. yeah, 50.8 over the last six yeah. games, man. 
Yeah, they they've been they've been really humming along a little bit. So I think they're going to run them over. I, th- I know it's at home, but yeah, I think they're going to I think they're going to pound Nebraska. And last but not least, certainly not least, the Indiana Hoosiers come to Michigan Stadium. Michigan is favored by twenty. In a night game. Interesting that it is a night game against the Hoosiers. We'll obviously be there. 7.30 kick. What you think there? I got Michigan covering. I got Michigan covering. I've got the final score, 37-16 Michigan. Uh, I just think, again, I go back to what I said at the beginning. I know that East Lansing was a huge letdown. But I still, even though, even though I don't have confidence that they're going to win the amount of games they need to win in November to get to where they want to be, I do have confidence in the leadership on this team. I have confidence in the mental makeup of this team. I believe in guys like Aiden Hutchinson. I believe in guys like Blake Corum. I, I think the mental makeup is right. I just, uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out. But in terms of how it's going to play out Saturday, they'll take care of business. They'll cover 21-point win. What did I have at 30? What I just, I had it off. 37 37-16. 37-16. I've got them covering as well. I have Michigan winning the game 34-10. to I just I think Michigan's going to be fine. You know, I I, I do think Indiana's going to play inspired there for for a bit, for a bit, and then I think Michigan will will wear on them and lean on them, and then you're gonna you're gonna fall into like, oh yeah, damn it, we're two and six. Like I think they're going to come in fired up. I mean, they they beat them last year. Tom Allen is a fiery guy. He gets a lot out of his team. Putting it, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, putting it mildly. He's doing coke right now. Uh, <laughs> But I, I think yeah, Michigan's just they're just better. They're just better. And I think once Michigan gets a couple momentum plays, uh Indiana's gonna fold up because they're just not having a good year. And it's hard to stay motivated when you're like that and you're gonna be on the road and it's at night. I think Michigan's gonna be chilly. It's gonna be cold. Yeah. yeah, I think Michigan cruises out of there with a pretty good win. So there you go. We went and made some bets. We made nice, everybody uh, nice little Saturday. Nice little nice Saturday. Little Saturday coming up. So we will uh we're going to get out there. I don't know. We haven't talked about what time we're going to get out there yet, but the night game vibe is cool. You don't have to get up in the morning and rush around. You can just kind of watch a game and then you get over there. And I, I'm anxious to see. I really am anxious to see how Michigan bounces back after a loss. And I I, I do think that it's pretty uh, pretty fortunate that they've got Indiana and not another tough game because I'm, I'm wondering what it's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, that's something I didn't even think about, the way the schedule sets up. I mean, if you were going right to Happy Valley after that, now I'm feeling a little bit different. But, yeah, you're right. The the way the schedule sets up, the fact that they've got Indiana, and the fact that Indiana isn't what anybody thought Indiana was going to be. This is a a good time for Michigan to have a game like this. Hopefully they use it to get everything back on track. Don't play it safe. Don't just hand the ball off 60 times like – we might be really underse- underselling this thing. I mean, we're talking about a third, a third string true freshman quarterback. Like Michigan might win by fifty tomorrow. They, they might. Could. They really might. So, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have seen in recent history a true freshman walk into the big house, not in prime time, but go into the big house and have a monster performance. What? What the hell was the kid's name last year? White. He had like 270 receiving oh, the receiver, yards. The receiver, right? right. Wasn't, but yeah. he was a freshman, right? Yeah, Ricky White. Eh, it, it can happen. It's rare. This is a good thing to end on right here from Michael. I'm not going to try your last name. I apologize that you were born with that. But Red Zone. Wenglikowski. Wenglikowski. Probably not Wenglikowski. actually that bad. Um, I'm with you. I would love to see like a six for six touchdown in the Red Zone day tomorrow. 
that would make me feel a lot better after what we saw against the Spartans. And I think that 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 ball security substitutions and penalties should have been like top four priorities heading into this one. So that's where we're at. Perfect pronunciation, Chris. Congratulations. My guy. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow after the game.